Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. A lot of times what we end up doing whenever we move into the realm of the flesh or start operating in any way in the realm of the flesh, what we end up doing is getting in the way of what God actually wants to do. And there are probably at least a million different ways that we can do that. And sometimes it's very blatant and sometimes it's very obvious, but other times it's more subtle. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis, chapters 32, verses 24 through 31, in a message titled, God's Will, God's Way. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Well, let's open our Bibles to Genesis 32. We're going to just take a few steps back and look once again at that most significant incident in the life of Jacob there when he was wrestling with the angel. So Genesis chapter 32, Genesis 32:24. Then Jacob was left alone And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. In these verses, we see God purposely inflicting and permanently crippling Jacob. But why would God do something like that to Jacob? After all, wasn't Jacob God's chosen instrument through whom the covenant would be fulfilled? Wasn't he a man that God had uh, made a specific covenant with? And the answer, of course, is yes, he was. He was God's chosen man, but yet he was also a shrewd, resourceful, self-sufficient, and self-reliant man still at this point in his life after these many, many years. That which was just so much a part of his personality and nature was still very much there present in his life. And those very traits that would 
have seemed to some to be his greatest strengths. The resourcefulness, the self-sufficiency, the self-reliance were from the divine point of view, his greatest weaknesses. And these were the very things that must be dealt with in his life before he could go any further into the plan and the purposes of God. One commentator said this wrestling was an endeavor on God's part to break down Jacob's resistance, to bring him to an end of himself, to take from him all self-trust, all confidence in his own cleverness and resourcefulness, to make him know that opposition is to be overcome and blessing obtained, not by craft or cunning, but by divine power and grace. As is the case with, with each one of us, and we've seen it with Abraham, we've seen it to a certain extent with Isaac, and now we're seeing it again with Jacob. There's a process that is taking place in the lives of these men, and there's a process that's taking place in our lives. And it's a process in which God is seeking to bring us to a place of total dependency on him. That's really what God is ultimately desiring to, to see accomplished in our lives, that we would come to a place of total dependency on him. Like Jacob, to some degree, all of us, uh, have an inherent tendency to trust in the flesh. It's just so very natural for us to, to do that. But that tendency must be broken if we're going to experience the fullness of God's blessing in our lives. You know, it's interesting as I was just reading over the life of Jacob and just thinking more and more about his experience, it became clear to me that the real lesson that Jacob needed to learn and the one that he did to a large extent learn here at this point had to do not so much with the will of God, but with the ways of God. And this is where we see Jacob's great struggle. Jacob was a man who was, I think, undoubtedly committed to the will of God from the very beginning. But he was a man who did not understand and quite often resisted the ways of God. But you see, God cares not only about us being in his will, he cares just as much about us doing things properly or, or in the way that, that he would have them done. Cheryl was telling me a couple of days ago how she was in her mind thinking about certain things that, you know, she's just a, a bit concerned with. And she was, she was coming up with these schemes on how to deal with these things. And she said as she was thinking about this one thing, she came up with this great idea. 
on how to deal with it. And as she was thinking through that great idea that she could implement and she could, uh, you know, accomplish her desired uh, objective through it, she said there was this little voice saying, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. (laughs) And so she moved on to another scheme. Another strategy. And again, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. And you know, as she was telling me that, I thought, boy, I've heard that so many times. And again, it's just so inherent within us. There there is that that tendency. And and this is something that God is, through this process of our lives, this is something that he is wanting to alter in us this tendency to depend on the flesh, this tendency to rely on the flesh, to to lean on the flesh. And as I said, although Jacob was from the beginning a man committed to the will of God, he was never totally submitted to the ways of God. You remember, God had declared that the older would serve the younger. And the younger, who of course was Jacob, developed a scheme through which God could fulfill his promise. So, you see, it's this tendency that was so ingrained in Jacob by nature, and it is ingrained in all of us to some degree or another. It's this thing that God is wanting to work out of us because what this thing does is it frustrates and it hinders the plan and the purpose of God. A lot of times what we end up doing whenever we, you know, move into the realm of the flesh or start operating in any way in the realm of the flesh, what we end up doing is getting in the way of what God actually wants to do. And there are probably at least a million different ways that we can do that. And sometimes it's very blatant and sometimes it's very obvious But other times, it's more subtle. We're not necessarily thinking that we're we're moving into the realm of the flesh, but in actuality, we are. Because we're, we're stepping in with our plan. We're not seeking the Lord or consulting his wisdom or his direction or how he would want to deal with the situation. We're just going on, you know, what we think or the great idea that we've come up with. And although in some ways that might even be somewhat innocent, it still can become a hindrance to what God is wanting to do in our lives as well as in the lives of other people. So how does God deal with this tendency in us to lean on the flesh? Well, God deals with this tendency by wrestling with us. And that's what he's doing here with Jacob. He's wrestling with him, and he's seeking to to deal once and for all with this tendency that was so very ingrained in the personality of Jacob. Now, I said a moment ago that we all battle with this to some degree, and I think that's true, but there are some people that battle with it more than others. There are some people who are by their very constitution, by their very nature, they are that type of a person who is just, you know, sort of a take control and stay in control and never lose control kind of a person. 
Not everybody has that same personality. We all have similar tendencies, but, you know, others have those kinds of things in milder forms. Jacob was kind of an extreme. He was kind of the extreme type A kind of a guy. And although, like I said, too, you know, from the world's point of view, this this looks good. I mean, this is what you want, you know, if you're going into business or if you've got some great project or something like that. This a lot of times is the kind of person that you're looking for. But we make the mistake of thinking that, well, that's what God's looking for as well. But he's not. Because that which would be a strength from the human point of view becomes a weakness from the divine point of view because we end up frustrating the plan of God. We end up interfering with the plan of God. In the end, we end up hindering more than helping. So what does God do? He wrestles with us. And he wrestles with us in, I think, degrees as well. His wrestling initially is... It's, it's not necessarily all that aggressive. It's just more of a, you know, sort of an embrace and kind of a twist to hopefully get us going in the other direction. But what we do sometimes is we resist that. And the more we resist, then the, the more intense the Lord's dealings with us become. But in thinking in, in some ways uh, of how God wrestles with us, In some ways, what he does is he frustrates and foils our plans. You see, we make these great plans. And again, I'm talking about plans that seem to fit in the will of God, but yet it's not the way God wants it to be done. So understand me tonight. I'm not talking about, you know, people who are just disregarding the will of God or disregarding the purpose of God or, you know, just people that are out there living in the flesh. I'm speaking more specifically to those who are, you know, really wanting to do the will of God, believing that they understand the will of God, but then rather than waiting on God and and seeking his wisdom and his counsel and the way in which he might do things, They're running out being led, not by the Spirit, but by the flesh. And when we do those kinds of things, which we do, some do them more than others, what God will quite often do is he will frustrate and foil those plans. He will come in and just, you know, sort of break the whole thing up. Reminds me of what happened with uh, Jehoshaphat. He made an alliance first with Ahab, that got him into all kinds of trouble. And evidently not really learning his lesson because there was a family tie there, he went ahead later and made an alliance with Ahaziah. And Ahaziah was a wicked man, and they agreed to partner together to make ships, to build ships, and to send those ships to Tarshish. And this was, you know, uh, an expedition through which they would gather various goods and things to enrich themselves. And, and so Jehoshaphat partnered with Ahaziah. But this was wrong. 
Jehoshaphat was a good man, essentially, but he had this weakness in that he kept sort of connecting himself with ungodly people. And so the prophet came and said, because you have allied yourself to Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. And then it goes on to say, then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. So they put all of this time and all of this effort into this endeavor to build these ships and to send them to Tarshish to enrich the kingdom. And God intervenes and he just foils the whole plan. The ships were wrecked. They never made it to Tarshish. And, you know, here, here's an illustration of the kind of thing that God will do at times. I think of another example from Israel's history, Israel the nation later on. Amaziah, the king of Judah, he made an alliance with Israel. And by the time this had happened, the two nations had split and the nation of Israel was completely corrupted. Judah was still somewhat godly. But Amaziah, the, the godly king, makes an alliance with Israel. He hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel to go with him to battle uh, against the Edomites. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. The prophet went on to say, But if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy. The prophet warned him, and, the, and Amaziah did the right thing. He backed out. But here God is giving that warning. And again, we see that kind of a thing where the Lord is saying, if you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this thing up. You're going to fall before the men. And, and this is what the Lord will do. And, you know, you see times where in the name of the will of God and the work of God, people are doing things, but they're not doing it God's way. Many times, this is a common thing with men in ministry. I want to build a big edifice. I want to build a big, giant facility for the Lord, for the glory of the Lord. And we're going to, you know, build this 10,000-seat auditorium. And, you know, a lot of people get these grandiose kinds of things. And I, and I think that, you know, many of them genuinely are for the most part, thinking about the glory of God. They're probably thinking a little bit about somebody else's glory as well, but they're not all that quick to you know, admit that. But whatever the case might be. But, you know, this, it's not something the Lord's in. And what happens is God will come along and he will frustrate the plans. And they, they won't materialize, and they'll put forth the effort, and they're, you know, trying to do this thing, and the property never materializes, or the loans don't come through, or the, you know, the, the person who promised, you know, to be the biggest contributor, they go bankrupt, or, you know, something happens. But really, if you look behind the scenes, you know, you see the Lord is at work. 
Because although it's God's will to expand his kingdom, although it's God's will to reach as many people as possible, we also have to always take into consideration God's way. How does God want to do it? I could come up with a million great ideas. It doesn't mean that any of them are necessarily of God. Some guys make the mistake of thinking every one of their ideas is God's idea. And that can get problematic. Or sometimes it's, you know, we're going to invest this money for the Lord. I know of cases where ministries have taken uh, the, the resources that have been given by the congregation for the ministry. They've taken it and said, oh, you know, a deal comes along. Deal of a lifetime. Invest in this stock and, you know, it's going to go through the roof. You're going to, you know, you're going to get a hundredfold out of it. And they've gone ahead and done that and lost everything. What's happening there? You see, they might have been thinking to some extent about the will of God. Oh, sure, we want more resources so we can do more work for the kingdom. That's good. But the other question was never asked. Is this the way God wants to do it? And we can take that right down into our own lives personally as well. A lot of things come along and we look at something. Sometimes we think, oh, that's I could do this and oh, we could do that but we don't consult the Lord for his way. And then we can find ourselves in a lot of trouble and we can find God frustrating and God foiling our plans. To teach us that lesson of dependency on him. Now, hopefully when those kinds of things occur, hopefully we learned the lessons. Not everybody learns the lessons. And Jacob was a person who was very resilient. He was a guy who, you know, you knocked him down and he didn't stay down. He got right back up. And even when God knocked him down, he didn't stay down. He got right back up. And that, that was his big problem, getting right back up. But God will, will deal with us in that way. He will also wrestle with us in our hearts. How many times have you had the experience of, of going in a direction and suddenly in your heart you feel very unsettled, you have a restlessness, you're agitated, and the more you press in that direction, the greater that agitation becomes. That's the Lord often. And you see, this is God wrestling with us. This is God saying, no, I don't, I don't want you to go this way. No, I don't want you to do that. And sometimes it's some type of a thing where there's you know, an extended period of time where you're maybe thinking through a course that you're going to take and you're moving down that road, but the Lord is saying all the while, nope, nope, and, you know, doors are slamming, but you're ignoring all of that, but God is wrestling with your heart. And there's no peace. There's no rest. You begin to experience anxiety and you know, these are all sort of warning signs. These are all, you know, God is saying, hey, listen. Hello, wake up. I'm speaking to you. And yet again, some are able to just sort of ignore that. But that's God wrestling. We've got to, we've got to become sensitive to the way God deals with us in regard to these kinds of things.
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls. Global mental health issues are on the rise. Over a billion people globally are living with anxiety or depression, especially among teens and young adults. Guilt and regret are becoming identity-defining forces. So how can we deal with this mental health crisis in our own lives and be a help in the lives of others? Well, in his book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, Scott Sauls presents a practical theology of suffering that will infuse your regret, hurt, and fear with a hope of gospel-saturated meaning. This book will give you the practical insights needed to find purpose in your own regrets, hurts, and fears. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.